I'm Randy Rohde, and I'm fascinated with entrepreneurs and small business owners. Plus, I love baseball. Every show, I sit down with a small business owner, and we discuss their running the bases of entrepreneurship. We throw the ball around on strategy, management, execution, and innovation. Plus, a little fun baseball talk. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Settle in, grab your Cracker Jacks, and you know what they say. Play ball. And it's a great day for a ball game. And l- let me tell you, I'm super excited for today's show because we're going to be talking about two of my favorite things, good food and baseball. So it can't get better than that. This is Randy Rohde, and you've got Running the Bases with Small Business. And our guest today is a third-generation restaurant owner, the grandson of Italian immigrants. He came to America, opened a pizza shop about 60 years ago or so, with hopes of leaving a restaurant legacy for their children. He literally grew up in the kitchen. His parents kept his play plan right next to the restaurant kitchen while they worked. Growing up in the family business, he easily could have stayed, but he branched out on his own, attending the prestigious Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park, New York, and working his way up the ranks of restaurants, eventually becoming the executive chef of a 400-seat upscale restaurant just outside of Cleveland. The love of family and tradition brought him back into the family business, where today he has taken ownership of one of the original restaurants his grandfather opened many, many years ago, and he is now making it his own. So please welcome, we've got executive chef, restaurant owner, winner of the Best Sauce of Cleveland Pizza Fest, sports lover, and all-around good guy, the owner of one of my personal favorite restaurants here locally, Augie's Pizza, Danny Jenks. Danny, welcome to the show. Good morning. Wow. Heck of an intro. It's weird when you sit down and hear, I'm like, wow, all right. Man, that's pretty exciting. All right. It's a good day. All right. This, I love it. This Beautiful. guy's cool. I like yeah, absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you. Man, so there's so much great uh, material here. And uh, again, the research team has done a, a great job pulling this stuff together. And I do have to tell you, I, I love, I, I just love your restaurant. And for our listeners, Danny and I were just talking about this before we hit the record button, but about not quite two years ago, but in 20, for several years, my office, our original office and studios was right behind Danny's restaurant, Augie's. And I don't know, I've eaten over there. I used to try to like, I'm going to eat over there every week, you know, at least once. Love, love the ribs. I'd see Danny all the time. And, but he never shared, I don't think, this story that I'm going to ask you about. And so this is pretty exciting. And we're getting, Danny has got some incredible background, and so we'll tap into this as well. But let's start with this question. You ready? Yes, sir. I can't <laughs> I'm not, wait now. I'm not, I'm not going to ask you for the secret sauce. Yeah. But where were you directly after the seventh game of the 2016 World Series. And for those folks, that's the Cubs and Indians World Series. Game seven was right here in Cleveland. And where were you, Danny? Well, I was actually on my couch in tears. But before that, we actually catered the food for the Cubs pregame and the Cubs postgame meal after. So my parents, we did it. We did the postgame meal, we, or the pregame meal. We dropped it off. It was a pretty light meal, nothing too crazy. It was a pretty big game for everybody. So we dropped <laughs> it off and then dropped it off. And then later we came back and brought the postgame meal, you know, a couple, you know, usually we bring it about the fifth inning. And we dropped it off and I went home and my parents were at the game and brother was at the game. And I said, nope, I want to, I want to sit on the couch and be by myself. And thank God I did because it was a miserable evening, but it was pretty crazy. It was fun, but pretty experience, you know, pretty crazy to know that, you know, we fed the team before the game and after the game also. So I think that is fabulous. Yeah. And so you say pretty miserable. I, I am a lifelong Cubs fan. So yes. it's all in perspective, right? And yeah, I, I saw, I know. And I remember talking about with, with Randy when, you know, talking baseball and I, he's coming with his Cubs. I'm like, oh man, like, come on, Randy. I thought I liked you, but it's all right. We've, we've moved on. Uh, so that is incredible. So how long have your family, you and your family been doing, I guess this, 
connection or association with with the Indians or now the Guardians? How yeah. long have you guys been doing the catering with those guys? So we've done it for about almost um, 20 years now. So almost since the um, since they've been at Jacobs Field, they kind of changed some of the parameters of how the food went. So in the beginning, early in the you know early 2000s when they first started doing it, we would bring um, meals, mainly post game meals. We would do so it would be you know pork chops, steaks, chicken. It would be a whole kind of variety of food, you know, for them after the game. So it was kind of cool. We always did that. And then it kind of progressed into some teams wanted other stuff and different stuff. You know, so it was kind of different. It was kind of cool to see the different food, um, different ways that they wanted to do it and different things they were eating. So yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. So you did post game for both the the Indians at the time, as well as the opponents? Mainly the opponents. So mainly mainly the opponents. opponents. With the Indian side, they have... I'm usually two chefs on staff, a bigger kitchen, um, a little more capabilities to do more. And then for the visiting teams, it's a minimal, it's like a cafeteria kitchen. So they would bring in from all tons of outside restaurants and, you know, certain teams like different food and different restaurants that they've had in the past or different teams like certain budgets. So what's nice being a pizza shop and having some culinary background, we're able to do kind of anything. So it kind of helped... Guy days they wanted pizza and ribs. They had pizza and ribs on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Other days they wanted steak and lobster, and right. you know we were able to pull some of that stuff off too. So it was kind of fun to you know to do the different stuff. And it's it sounds very glorious, but we literally package everything up. We drive underneath the stadium. A couple guys come down with a golf cart and shoot it straight to the locker room. You know, so it's not like we're <laughs> a few times I've had the opportunity. Um, to cook breakfast and cook omelets in the locker room. So you're standing there with a guy in his underwear eating an omelet, (laughs) you know, throwing eggs and bacon in there. And, you know, it's kind of crazy. And you're like, oh, and then like you look at him and, you know, when you see him face to face, like you don't recognize him. And you're like, oh my God, that was... Derek Jeter, or that was whoever. You're like, right. whoa, this is this is pretty cool. So, you know, you're, I'm in the moment. I'm in the chef moment. So I'm not worried about yeah. who the player is. And you're like, oh my god, that guy just won the Cy Young last year. Right. So that is incredible. Yeah, it's pretty funny, pretty cool. Twenty plus years, and how, how did that come about? I mean, do you know the story yeah, behind absolutely. that? Absolutely. So it kind of goes back to the original Cleveland Indians clubhouse. Uh, manager at the old municipal stadium was a gentleman named Cy Binack. He did it for, I think he retired almost at 50 years working for the Cleveland Indians. So he was a dear family friend of ours. He went to our church and he also ate a lot of our pizza. Mm. So all through the years, whenever he'd come in, my dad would always be like, Hey, you ever need, you know, any employees, you ever need any help? You know, my boys, you know, were, you know, always looking at work. And my older brother, Willie started it when he was 16. So he worked in the locker room and then we just kind of started talking and my brother Willie is now actually the head visitors clubhouse manager. So he's done it for, he hit his 25th year this year. So he's done it. So we've always had kind of an inside track, but we've also provided great food and great service. So it kind of helped, you know, and these guys know their food. You can't just, uh, you know, give them whatever you want. They, they know the quality. So if they don't like it, they're going to tell you, they don't care. So these guys are like traveling all over the country, right? They they know food. And now that, you know, food and wine and, you know, stuff like that, they know quality. They know, you think they're just some baseball players. that want to eat some hot dog. No, these guys are, they they want, they know it and they get it and they love it. So it's kind of cool to, you know, have that experience and to know that, you know, these guys enjoy your food and like, Hey man, can we get those steaks from Augie's or Hey, even like on like rain delays, my brother will call us and be like, Hey, we need 30 pizzas right now. Like, what do you mean you need 30 pizzas? Like, it's a rain delay. You guys need pizza. You want to do it? I'm like, All right, I'll do it. Come on, let's go. So, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty fun. So, kind of going back with, you know, kind of going back from the original guy and yeah. kind of having a little inside track. And in. yeah, pretty, pretty fun, pretty exciting. How amazing. And so, Listen, just even in the, like the last three minutes that you've been talking, I'm like, well, what does your brother do? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, a whole nother, the, yeah. What is that, Jeff? But just so fascinating, I think. And just the experience, I'm sure, of what you've been able to do and who you've met and all of that. And we're going to tap into some of your early days at the at the stadium as well. But I, I do want to get into a little bit more of the background stuff with you. So your grandfather, Augie. Yep. Right. How do you pronounce this? I've got his name yeah. here and it's like this, a great Italian name. I'm like, I don't know how to pronounce that. I don't even it's, want to uh, butcher it. Uh, Diamacone. Dian McCone. Dian McCone. So yep. you say it, it sounds well, so yeah, easy. It's, it's my grandma. It's, yeah. I'm it's, looking at it on print. Like, I don't know what the hell yeah, that right? is. <laughs> That's funny. That's great. So you got uh, Augie Dian McCone. What a great name. Grandfather came to America, achieved the great classic American dream, right? Starts his own business. But he even had a great storied life even before he did the restaurant. He immigrated from this great mountainous area in Italy. And then he found himself in the U.S. Army as a mountain paratrooper in World War II. Yeah. 
That um, is incredible. Did, did he tell you, share some stories? No. So Augie passed away before I was even born. Oh, so no, he had I'm lung sorry. cancer yeah. early. You know, it's kind of, you know, so kind of, kind of crazy. And then his wife, Mary, my grandmother, Mama okay. D, we called her, Nani. She, you know, she, I mean, she worked to the pizza shop literally till the, I drove her to work the day before she passed away. She was uh. 73 and she worked the pasta station. She had her own thing. So kind of cool. But, um, I never got to hear any stories from him, but we found pictures of him in the white snowsuits. So they yeah. would paratroop in and they would ski and they would, you know, kind of spy. And, you right. know, he had that great Italian accent. You know, he was, so it, it was really cool. Yeah. the I think it was the seventh mountain division, I think it was called. Yeah. Um, but it was really cool. Yeah. So pretty fun to see the pictures of that and the stories. And, that is incredible. Yeah. So here's this guy, Augie, you know, love him, he comes over here, serves his country, and then, I don't know, in 56, 57, 1956, 57, you start the first Augie's Pizza. And it really was then a family affair. So your your mother, well, they had three kids, I think, uh, um, your grandparents. Yes, grandparents had three, yes. All daughters? All daughters, All yes. daughters. So your mother... Her sisters grew up in the restaurant, and then you guys came along. And what, you've got one, two brothers? I have an older brother, Willie, and a younger brother, Joey, yes. Okay. So, and you all grow up in the restaurant. Yeah. And all of your cousins, all, everybody. Yeah. Like all, this is what we did. This is what we yeah. knew. And we all kind of, you know, what was cool was, too, even in the business, like, we didn't, like, our parents never, like, forced us. Like, as we got older, I went and worked for my parents' competition because I knew I wanted to be a chef and learn some Italian food and learn yeah. some other stuff. So I went to a restaurant called Carrie Serino's in North Royalton, which yeah. is, my parents got married there. I mean, that's how far back, but we knew the chefs there. We knew the family and I wanted to learn more than just pizza. You know, so I did that and I basically didn't even work in the pizza shops most of my life. My older brother, Willie did, my younger brother, Joey did. And then I kind of wanted to do more of the fine dining, more of the chef's driven stuff, which yeah. is, which is kind of crazy. And then to come back, you know, 20 some years later and do, you know, so it's a pretty crazy how things, but my parents never forced us. They were like, hey, yeah. do what makes you happy. Do what you want to do. We get it. The pizza shops will always be here. And if you need something, you know, kind of do it. And we kind of worked, you know, we kind of all used our special kind of talents, if you will, and kind of right. helped each other out. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. Pretty, pretty different, pretty different situation. So how fun. So I'm sure they're growing up and, you know, as we did the lead in, you know, you had your playpen. Literally. Literally yes. in yeah. the kitchen there. So growing up, when did they begin saying, Danny, can you, you know, take this case of water over to, you know, or when did, as when? soon as we could walk. Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it was, I mean, we were always there and my parents were always there. So, you know, it just kind of became normal to us. We just, mm -hmm. you know, if we were young, we were sitting there folding boxes or we would sit in the dining room and play and color and kind of talk with everybody. And then we would start, as we got older, we would just start making pizzas and yeah. working in the kitchen and just kind of be in there. And it was just, it was just fun. I mean, it yeah. was just kind of cool growing up in that, you know, and most people think we're nuts because my parents worked every day. I mean, there was no days off. There was right. no holidays. You know, I mean, we did, but we was just so stressful. And so, but we enjoyed it. That's what we were used to. And, you know, you get around the family dinner table with other family members that all own pizza shops. So all the <laughs> Debbie's, my mom's two other sisters both had pizza shops. So yeah. Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner with the family, we'd all just sit there and talk about, you know, the crazy things that happened and what we messed up. And, you know, it was just fun. So it was pretty cool to grow up in that atmosphere and kind of, kind of live that life. It's what we're all around. Probably like crazy stories of customers coming. I had this guy coming. Oh, and one tops the other and we're just <laughs> laughing. And that's what makes it great though. That's sure. what you're used to. You know, for us, it's, you know, it's, it's a day to day moment. You know, uh, always looking for something different and yeah. it happens. There's nothing, no two days are ever the same. God, I love that. Do you, do you recall that? What was your very first, you, you talked about your Nana who did the pasta station. Did, did you have, do you recall your very first, like Danny, you are the box folder guy or whatever your job was. Do you, what it was, was your, it was so every day that it didn't, there was never really, you know, I mean, we've always, there was never that aha moment. Like there was never that, like, right. you know, it was always just kind of, it was just natural. It was just, you know, all we day, you know, rolling the meatballs or making the, you know, making the sauce or yeah. rolling the dough or just eating and kind of hanging out and, yeah. you know, hanging so, out. So did you always enjoy the food side? I mean, or, or was there a point that you kind of took, to the food, like, you know, I kind of really like this stuff. You know, I, li I like cooking. Yeah. This is fun. Fortunate for me, it was, I mean, I was in the sixth grade and cooked pancakes for my sixth grade class. And from then on, I haven't looked back since. I mean, it's the only, <laughs> literally, I mean, that's, if I could go back to my first, I was 12 years old washing dishes for our church's caterer. Yeah. And I was 12 and just sliding dishes. I mean, they'd do big banquet, 100 person weddings and I'd be the kid. And I loved it. Like, it was yeah. just great. You know, so I've always, I've always taken a liking to kitchens. I've always, um, 
kind of just worked in the kitchens and in those situations. And I just love it. I just kind of found a, a liking to it. And fortunate for me, I've stuck with it and I've enjoyed it. Yeah. And, you know, it, that's the hard part. You don't know, you know, but I, I, I love it. It's fun. So well, even you, back then. You found your place. I was just having this conversation yesterday, as a matter of fact, with my son. And uh, we were just talking about it. And, and I, I'm, he's got so many different things. You know, he's almost 16 and he's, you know, between things that he has to do at school and stuff that we're like, Hey, you have to do those kind of things. And then the things that he wants to do. And he's like, I'm trying to find the balance. I'm like, you know, what should I pursue in life and what things that I should do? And, and my advice to him yesterday was like, just figure out and decide on the things that's worth doing for you and then focus on those things. Just always ask what is worth doing and do the things then that are worth doing for you. And for you, you found like, yeah. Hey, sixth grade cooking, man, Let's this roll. is worth doing. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. And it, you know, for me, like I struggled heavily in school. So reading, spelling, math was my, my whole life was, I was always in all the basic math classes, all the basic reading. I'd read a book, wouldn't even know what the hell I read the book about. You know, like I'd read and be like, wait, that guy died? Like, wait, what? Hold on. You know, so for me, like I struggled in all of those. But whenever I was in a kitchen or with food, I just excelled. And I just kind of, you know, so for me, I kind of, you know, stuck with it. And I kind of, and I enjoyed it. And I found that kind of tick in your brain that kind of motivates you to want to do more. And it was the, you know, kind of the craziness of the kitchen, the ADD brain where, guess what? I can have 12 things going on and that's comfortable to me yeah. doing one thing and just sitting down and reading a book. Guess what? My brain doesn't, it just so <laughs> took me forever to learn that. And I struggled my whole life. So, you know, with anything with school and with all of that stuff. So even, yeah. you know, going into culinary school was tough because it was college. It wasn't, yeah. you know, you couldn't give your teachers autographs to pass tests and subjects and right, right. that's a whole nother situation. But, you know, I mean, it was, it was different, but you know, I kind of, I learned the hard way and I figured it out and kind of, you know, luckily came out on top. So pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, so you bring up the culinary Institute. So let's kind of head in that direction a minute here. So at some point, I don't know, whether, I don't know when, did you go right after high school? I don't know how that works, I, I guess, but at some point you said, Hey, I want to really get serious about this. So you went to the culinary Institute, by the way, I have a little parenthetical statement here. Tell him that the pictures of the campus look incredible <laughs> right there on the river in the Hudson Valley. I'm like, hey, okay. I don't know. Absolutely. It yeah. Sounds fun. Gorgeous. Uh, yeah. So what was your experience like there? So it was, it was really cool. So I was, I was fresh out of high school. So I learned real quick when I got there that there were guys that guys and girls that had 10 years of culinary experience and wanted to just accelerate or wanted to do something different or be more well-rounded and learn stuff. Me, I was a... 18 year old kid looking for that college experience and definitely didn't get it there. You know, it was, it was such a different world because there was, you know, minimal, you know, it was a very small school, but what was cool about it was it was 100% culinary. So everybody there, we all shared the same goal. We all wanted to be chefs or pastry chefs. So we all had one common bond. So, and you had kids from all over the world, all over the United States there mentioning how beautiful it is. You are literally on the banks of the Hudson river. You're in Hyde park, New York, Gorgeous. My parents would literally just drive up in the fall just to take the drive, come up, eat lunch at one of the restaurants, bring me a case of Dortmunder gold beer, you know, 20 <laughs> years ago. And I, the funny, and we laugh about that because um, that was when Great Lakes was first starting out. And yeah. I had chef instructors that would go to the World Beer Cup. Yeah. One of my guys was like, hey, you're from Cleveland. I go, yeah, man. He's like, you know anything about Dortmunder gold beer? I go, yeah, Great Lakes. Yeah, they're, you know, he's like, hey, uh, if your parents ever come in town or you ever come up, can you bring me cake? Heck yeah, man. You know, so I'm bringing my chef instructors cases at Dortmunder gold, but that, you know, that was a big deal 20 years ago when they yeah. won the gold medal and right. it was really cool. It was kind of fun to, you know, be a part of that, but yeah, the views are beautiful and, you know, but it's just definitely a different, you know, college experience. There were no fraternities. Right. It was like a 70, 30 guy to girl ratio. So yeah. like, I mean, it was such a different, but you had guys that were in the business. You had guys and girls that were young. You know, so we, we all kind of just kind of would sit in our dorm room, sharpen our knives and watch the Food Network and drink some beer and kind of hang out. Like it was it was kind of cool. So, you know, I was just going to ask, is it anything kind of like there's so many different movies or TV shows that are out there now and you see all of this stuff. And so, you know, is it was it like you see kind of in those mediums now? I mean, it's, is it tough? Was it really heavy? competitive and cutthroat sometimes or not as much as it used to be. So, you know, CIA used to have a reputation of being, you know, you'd go in there and if your chef coat wasn't ironed and pressed, yeah. they'd cut your buttons off or they would kick you out of class. You know, 
things, you know, I was there back when I was there, it was starting, it was loosening up a little bit. The, the kind of the, the different, um, you know, people they had in there, just kind of the, the, the chef instructor's quality was phenomenal. I mean, these guys were master chefs. There's only so many master chefs in the world in right. the class. It's like a, it's like a week long test you have to take. I mean, it's, it's absolutely insane. So, you know, they had the most master chefs. So the quality of everything was always accelerated. And just like anything else, and just like any other school, it's what you put into it. If you studied and read and did the tests and practice and stuff, yeah, you would do great. But just like any other college or thing, you right, would, right. you know, you have to put it, you know, you got to, you know, get in or put in, you know, take what you put in what you or however you want to, you yeah, know, you, you get out what you put in. Thank right? you. Sorry. Yeah, that was the hardest you. thing I've had to say all day, <laughs> you know, but I mean, that's kind of how it is though. You know, you kind of, you know, work towards that and kind of see it and then yeah. you kind of learn and then you're like, okay, wow, I really want to learn about you know, the Asian cuisine, or I really want to learn more about this. And, you know, the wines class is something they always talk about. It's a three week class where you taste wine. I mean, it is, you know, you're there at nine in the morning and you're tasting hundreds of wines over the week, the three week course. So yeah. just cool. And you kind of like, all right, it's wine. Eh, we're getting drunk. It's noon <laughs> on a Wednesday, you know, but then like you have those moments where you're, you're drinking the wine and tasting it and you're going, oh my God, I actually do taste the lemon or the butter or right, the, and right. you're going, okay, this is cool. I get this, you know? And then you're just tasting the different stuff. And then you'd go study for three, four hours, get a bottle of wine. And, you know, it's kind of crazy to sit, I'm going, I'm 20 years old and I'm hammered at noon at school. This is great. You know? So, you know, but it was, but it was hard though. That wines class, I mean, they, you know, yeah. it is, it was intense of all yeah. the things you look back on and it was all studying and memorization. And I just remember, you know, digging through that, but it was cool. You learned a lot and I was like, okay, cool. I'll, you know, what? Wow, what a fun experience! Absolutely, so you, you're, you're there. What a couple of years? It's I don't a, know how so long. Yeah, it's a two year program. Okay, um, but it's two full years. Your summer break is three weeks. Christmas, you got a week, and then Easter, you didn't even get anything. So, so it is just an it, ongoing. It, you're like, yeah, there. you're going. You're in it. You're there. You're and, cooking, man. Yeah, yeah. All right. So you, two years go by. Yeah, you, you get your whatever degree certificate. I don't know what what do they call it there, but you come back to Cleveland. Maybe, what do you, like, give you your chef's hat? Yeah, you get the toque, the hat, the big hat, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so you come back to Cleveland, you got your chaps, you got your skills, you got your toque. Is that what they call it? I think it's the toque, yeah, that's the hat. That is cool. You don't go to go work in the family business. Absolutely not, nope. You come back and you work at some of these great places, one that you mentioned there in Little Italy, and then you also were the executive chef at the Blue Canyon restaurant as well. So some really some very nice fine dining experiences. What was that like working your way up kind of the, the restaurant food chain, if you would? Yeah, for me, it was awesome. I enjoyed every second of it. For me, I, I like being the you know, it's kind of cool because I graduated from CIA and you think yeah, I'm the CIA graduate. I am. Well, that's going, what I was wondering. No, I am like, going did you to, come to Cleveland? Dude, nope. I am uh, CIA. Man. Yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> and some guys do that and they don't, you know, and some guys work, some guys can do it. Me, you know, I'm, I'm a workhorse. I'm a grinder. So I'd uh, rather, you know, so I took a job at Mitchell's fish market. They were just opening it up and, you know, I'm thinking I'm this big, big shot, you know, you know, do the interview, do it. And the guy's like, all right, awesome. You're going to be the head oyster shucker. And I'm like, wait, what? I'm like. <laughs> I got to shuck oysters and I'm shucking hundreds of oysters a day, you know, but it was cool because we had a little like kind of, it was like a four seat kind of raw bar. Yeah. So I'd have guys come in town and they'd sit and I'd be shucking oysters for them, talking and just meeting, you know, meeting connections, meeting yeah. people. And I enjoyed that part of it. So I was like, you know what? Hey, I'm, you know, and everyone's like, oh, there's that CIA grad. He's shucking oysters. Oh, I've been in this business. <laughs> well, next thing you know, I'm working next to that guy taking his job. And, you know, I, I worked and that's kind of how I've always put my head down. Yeah shut my mouth and just kind of work and enjoy the moment and kind of keep growing with that and kind of uh, work my way up. And you just, you get more out of it that way. And for me, I like getting it out of it. I like getting the full experience of it and you kind of learn and see and pick up some things along the way. And I was, I was watching those saute cooks. I was watching the grill cooks. I knew what they were doing. I knew what they weren't doing. And I knew what I had to do to get to the next spot and get essentially get their position. So, you know, it's kind of fun. I mean, I enjoyed that. I I kind of build you, kind of build you a little more well-rounded. You get to see a little bit of everything and kind of learn. And plus, as you work your way up the ranks, People appreciate that. They go, hey, wait, that was the guy that was a little pantry cook a year ago. Now he's the sous chef or now he's the head grill cook. So yeah. you kind of, you know, work your way up and it just kind of grows with your staff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So pretty cool. Oh, that's incredible. I, I know you're a family man now, but back then, uh, 
Yeah, I love Anthony Bourdain. Was uh, his books? I loved his TV shows. The guy was amazing. I think, and some of the stories, unbelievable. Th- that they would, were true. I mean, you a lot of them. You hear them and see them. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, so it, yeah, you, for you, kind of going through the process, was it similar experiences? Yeah, I mean, it, the craziness of the kitchens are just unbelievable, and mm-hmm. you know, to to do the amount of food that. I've seen in these kitchens and that I've done and that other chefs in town that I've talked to have done. You got to be nuts to do this. You got to be crazy. It's, you know, it's one of the most thankless jobs. It's, you know, not one of the highest paying jobs, but you do it. You love it. You enjoy it. You enjoy your, your, the camaraderie of the kitchen staffs and to, you know, pull out a thousand covers on new year's Eve and the blood, sweat and tears is it's a real thing. It's cool. And I think that that's part of it that I enjoy too. kind of, you know, you're a team and it's a, you know, you have your good teams and you got to be able as a manager, as an owner, you got to be able to put the people in the right positions, but you also got to have fun. You got to enjoy. This is work. We're not doing brain surgery. We're not doing, you know, you got, it's gonna, it's gonna, you got to laugh. You got to goof around. You got to, you know, it's stressful enough, you yeah. know, and it's, but it, you got to enjoy it. And once you find enough guys and girls that enjoy it and do it, it's okay. You don't think about that stuff, but yes, the, the craziness of the kitchens, it's a real thing. And it characters, is characters. I'm imagining. Oh, characters. The guys people. that we laugh at, that we talk about and you're like, Oh, remember when this guy did this? And <laughs> it's a real thing, you know, and you laugh, you look back on it and you know, you have those memories, you have those moments with other chefs and other guys that yeah. you used to work with or moved on to do bigger, better things. And you still text each other. You still call each other. Like, oh, oh man, remember that time we did this or, oh, you know, so it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's a pretty cool experience. So is it a tight community like locally? So I'm sure you've worked in a few different restaurants yourself. Now you have your own as well, but is the community kind of tight, you know, amongst chefs and, and so do you, you know, you're saying, Hey, text people, but I mean, do you guys like, Hey, let's, you know, at one in the morning, I've got, there's a place we go and we hang out, you know, chefs from around the city or wherever. Yeah, actually, you know, it kind of, Yes, it does. It's kind of cool to see, you know, a lot of it's hard because we, we look at each other as competition, especially, you know, you kind of, Hey, that's my competition and that's this, or we're doing, I want to be better than this guy, or I want to work for this guy or work against this guy. And then, you know, as you kind of look and grow, especially me growing in the business, you kind of look and see that, Hey, we're all fighting for the same thing. We all, you know, there's enough to go around, you know, kind of funny. I get a lot of landscapers that come into Augie's come to the restaurant, right. they come in for lunch. Um, you know, they come in and get the pizza slices and I was, there are tons of them. And there's a line up my door with landscapers on, you know, Wednesday afternoon in the summer. I've been in that line. You have. Yes. Thank you. And thanks for waiting. <laughs> and, you know, I was talking up with these guys and I go, Hey, I'm like, you guys ever get in like fights or like uh, turf wars with, you know, another landscaping company that's come on, you know, that took your, and they're like, right. they're like, dude, we don't even have time. Like we're so busy. We can, and I, and it, you know, I kind of thought about that. Like we don't have time. Like we're not, you know, like there's enough to go around. And then you start talking to other restaurateurs and other chefs and other even pizza places that I talked right, to right. that, you know, you talk to these guys and you're like, dude, it's, you know, like a new guy just opened up and we're like, he's texting me going, Hey, you still, I'm like, dude, I'm jamming. He's like, dude, I'm back too. Hey, what can we do? Or who do you get this from? Or, you know, so yeah. it's it took me a while to kind of learn that because I was so used to that competition of it. And then once you start kind of hanging out with some of the chefs and we used to do a lot of um, chef benefits and dinners and stuff for the community. And it would all be a bunch of chefs. And next thing you know, we're all got a cooler beer under our thing. And we're like, Hey, where's the after party at? Next thing you got 20 chefs downtown at one of the restaurants and you know, we're all just BSing and we all live the same life. We all do. And we all want to, we all want to be great, but there is enough to go around. So you kind of, that took me a while to learn that and kind of, kind of grow as a chef and, you know, you always wanted to be better, but then you're like, man, why don't we help each other out? And we do that. So yes, if you there, you find the right night or the right chefs in town or whoever, you know, it, it's pretty cool to kind of, you know, chuck things up. And, you know, I see a bunch of guys in town here in Sugar Inn that come in and be like, Hey, don't you own that restaurant? Or Hey, don't, yeah, man, what's up? You know, so it's kind of cool to just kind of talk and have that relationships because there's going to be a day where your cooler goes down and right, you need to borrow right. some, Hey, you got a case of flour I can get right, or right. any sugar, you know, so it's kind of cool to have those experiences and, kind of work with those guys. It, I, I enjoy it. I, I think the the people aspect of it and knowing with these guys and the other chefs and people have been through, I've been through the same thing. So it kind of makes you relax a little bit and kind of enjoy, you know, being a part of it. So yes. Yeah. 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 Wow. Crazy. That's great. So let's flash forward here a little bit. Yeah. Then. So your CIA, you've worked your way up through 2015 comes around and whatever the opportunity is, I think it was your uh, uncle's store or restaurant that had been running. He probably decided, Hey, I want to retire. You, you raised your hand, young Danny. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. We're young Danny. I don't feel that young anymore. It feels like a lifetime ago. Young Danny says, Hey, I'm in kind of. Yeah. So it was kind of, uh, so I was, I was at blue Canyon for nine years. 
So it's kind of at the tail end, kind of reached my peak. So maybe not so young Danny. No, not the yeah, <laughs> tired, crabby Danny, but that's almost every day now. You know, but it was kind of, you know, I was kind of at that like stepping stone. Like, hey, I've reached every milestone here I could. You know, things that I didn't even think were even imaginable that I was mm. able to do and accomplish there. And I was like, all right, what's next? So started doing some research, looking to some other restaurants in town, some other chefs. I'm like, hey, who can I go work for? What can I go do? And I was like, I want to do something. I want to do something on my own. I want to own something. You know, I want to, you know, I've made enough people money and have seen them grow. I want to do something for myself. So kind of thought of some different ideas and, you know, I didn't really want to just go open up a, a new restaurant and, you know, kind of knew the pizza business and kind of wanted to do something for my family. My uncle was ready to retire. He did it for almost 30 years and did an amazing job. And it was awesome. And you had that reputation here in South Russell. And I was like, you know, what, what are the opportunities? So I started talking to my dad and he thought I was nuts. He's like, oh, you don't want to do this. You're a chef. Go do this. My mom's basically crying because she's like, oh my God, you know, someone take over the business and, you know, kind of worked out for everybody. And so, so you, and your dad and your mom still had their, their own restaurant. Their own shop. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, but I knew the South Russell one had some potential. I knew right, right. the area. I knew that it, it needed help. It needed, you know, my uncle was burnt out. He was done and yeah. kind of running it through the ringer. And I was kind of like, all right, what what are my options here? And, you know, took a gamble, took a risk. And that's what made it fun. You know, I took over a pizza shop that was not updated, not done anything to it for 30 years, literally. I mean, it was yeah, still had the yeah. same church pews that my dad and uncle stole out of a dumpster of a church. So <laughs> those were the boots. Those were the seats that they stole, you know, like from a church. Some of that counts, but yeah. You know, but that's the reality of it. Those were the right. same yeah. church. Those were the same boots that were in there for 30 years. And, yeah. you know, so to kind of see it kind of grow and have those opportunities. So, yes. I have to ask the question because this is kind of crazy, I think. So here you were, this executive chef. I mean, you're doing all kinds of... Of, I'm sure kind of experiments with food at this very nice upscale restaurant, Blue Canyon. I mean, it's a fabulous place. I've, I've eaten there a few times as well. Great food. I probably have eaten there when you were cooking there. Didn't know it at the yeah. time, but thank you for a great meal. Now people may think, but now he's like at a pizza shop. <laughs> exactly. So I, I am kind of curious. So you made that transition. You, you grab your own shop, Augie's Pizza. You're used to doing all different kinds of foods uh, at, in your other restaurant experiences. And I can't remember back then if the Augie's only did pizza or other kinds of menu items, but did you make some initial like transits like, hey, we're expanding the menu? You know, as soon as you came in, did you kind of do some things like that? Yeah, it was uh, definitely a very uh, prideful chef moment. You know, I kind of once I made the announcement, I was leaving Blue Canyon and, you know, started talking like, what are you going to do? I'm like, oh, where are you going? I'm like, eh, I'm going to go take over to my parents' pizza shop. And they're like, wait, what? They're like, Danny. <laughs> know, and like, that's... then I started having doubts myself. I have yeah. these great chefs, great right. people telling me, Danny, you're serious. I'm like, hey, say, give me time. Let me, you know, I, I got yeah. a plan. And this yeah. is something that, you know, hey, go more to take care of my family, give my parents some, give my parents a break, you know, right. switch some things up a little bit. And then once I kind of started to, get into it. And I kind of knew um, what I wanted to do, but I didn't realize, I mean, I had, I mean, I had, to, I was going to my parents, my brother, my uncle to show me how to make pizza. I didn't right, I haven't made right. dough in 20 years. I haven't made, you know, I'm like, what do you mean this? How you do? So for me, you know, it was a very, you know, it was a, it was a very, it was an awesome moment because I kind of, you know, swallowed my pride as a chef and kind of learned it. But then, but then I also started to enjoy it more in the, the freedom of it and the mm. fun part of just going to work and making dough and then, you know, seeing it and then watching it grow. For me, yeah. the best part, even to this day, is that, you know, I had, we, so we updated the dining room. We put about 30 seats in there and it was cool because we had the seats and then I had nice china, nice napkins yeah. and we still did pizza. We did ribs, we did the wings, but then I started doing some salmon and some lobster. And then I started talking to my customers more and they were like, whoa, you went to CIA. Oh, hey, didn't we see you at Blue Canyon? Didn't, you know, and they're like, so then they're like, hey, what do I got to do to get this? Or what do I got to do to get that? You know, next thing you know, it was just kind of like, hey, I'll shoot a text message. and be like, hey, who wants tuna tonight? And next thing you know, 10 people respond back with 10 people. Now my dining room's filled. I'm selling tuna. I'm selling lobster. And yeah, then right. you have like a customer come in to get a pizza sitting next to a guy eating lobster thermidor going, how the heck do I got to get that? What's going on? This is Augie's, you know? So it was kind of that surprise kind of secret that right, right. I kind of started building my own following and kind of doing my own thing with, you know, still doing great pizza and still doing the carryouts, still doing the things that were fun, but then still being able to get a little taste of, you know, cooking with some food and doing some different stuff that I enjoyed doing that kind of kept me moving, kept me ticking. So yeah, yeah. it was kind of, that's been the fun experience for me to kind of see it, kind of see it that way, you know, kind of, kind of do it from my own way and do it how I wanted to do it and kind of see it come, come full circle. So yeah. 
Yeah, pretty exciting. It, it had to be, I would imagine, just a real humbling experience on many different, right? Here you are, the CIA guy, you executive chef, and you're coming back to your family like, how do you make that pizza dough? I'm sure that, that in itself was humbling. It absolutely was. And as well, the... Telling your chef friends, I'm going to go have a pizza shop now. So, you know, an incredible thing. But was there anything that really, truly kind of surprised you, though, coming back to your roots, if you would, as a restaurant owner, um, rejoining kind of the family business? I mean, anything that, like, I'll say pleasantly surprising. I don't know. Maybe, you know, it was good or bad, yeah. but did anything kind of like, wow, I wasn't expecting this. This is kind of interesting. Um, for the first, almost that whole year, the first year of getting into the pizza shop, that, that whole experience was very humbling, very, but, but I enjoyed the humbling part of it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, you know, kind of being with my family, being, you know, talking to my dad, talking to my mom, you know, sharing those stories, sharing those memories. And that kind of, kind of fueled me kind of was like, okay, this is cool. We can do something here, you know, but it was just a different experience. It was, but it was the same concepts instead of ordering lobster, scallops, and tuna, you know, over of a million dollars worth at Blue Canyon. Now I'm ordering flour, cheese, you know, different stuff like that. So, but it's still, still the same concepts. It's still, you're just doing, you know, doing it on a a big volume scale, but just different quality, different, but you're still doing the same concept. So the, you know, it all still kind of works together. So it still kind of goes hand in hand. So once you start learning and kind of seeing that you kind of grow from that and then you see the interactions with your customers, you know, Blue Canyon, we had an open kitchen. It was awesome. I had chefs, you know, working next to me, but then I'd also have 10, 12 people sitting on the chef's counter. So I've made more friends and connections at that chef's counter, but they would see me cook and talk and kind of do that. Well, here, I don't have a big chef's counter, but I have a counter that I get to see Randy, you know, (laughs) pick up his ribs and, you know, but, but I have those interactions with my customers and being able to buy, you know, Randy his ribs for Christmas or, you know, buy someone, um, you know, a pizza for, you know, buy them a drink on their birthday or right, to right. be able to have, to be able to make those decisions and have total control was pretty fun. Instead of having to go to three bosses, Hey, can I buy my grandma a beer right, on right. her birthday here? You know, so it was kind of fun to you know be able to experience that and kind of see that and kind of learn and grow. And I just enjoyed the process. You yeah. know, you kind of see it and do it and, and watch it grow and watch it see, you know, start being like, okay, wow, this is, we're, we're getting something here. This is fun and just enjoying it. You know, well, you kind of take and it I'm as sure, it comes. You, I'm sure you probably have hundreds of crazy customers like me that come in and think, and think that I have the privilege of, I walk in and I see, hey, Danny, I, you know, I'm just always But like, that's every day though. And, yeah, but that's, exactly. but and that's what I enjoy though. I love yeah. meeting families, meeting, yeah. you know, watching the kids grow up and seeing kids that used to come to my uncle's pizza shop now they're bringing their great grandkids there. Like, I mean, that's cool. Like that's, that's pretty fun to experience that. And, you know, to learn the customers, you know, you know, Randy would call his order and it'd be Randy ribs. And we would just write that on the ticket, (laughs) no garlic bread, extra coleslaw. And it was done. Hey Randy, what's up? He would just call, Hey Randy, hang up the phone and walk over in a blizzard. I always remember that. Like Randy, it's, it's 12 degrees outside and he's come walking. I'm like, don't just try. He's He's got to eat. Yeah. I'm like, all right, man, the ribs are that good. You're walking here in a blizzard. I appreciate that. So pretty awesome. Uh, Oh, good stuff. All right. Well, usually sometimes I ask the guests, hey, do you like baseball? I already know the story for you. And so, but it is that time. And it's time for the seventh inning stretch. But the little thing that we like to call the seventh inning stretch here, we get to change the gears a little bit and talk uh, about baseball. I know you're passionate about baseball as uh well, probably even more than I am, actually, through your experiences, which is uh, amazing. So we're going to talk a little bit about this. You even kind of defined yourself as a retired major league bat boy. Absolutely. Yes, <laughs> I do. And it's great. And, you know, it's- I know. So and literally, so I've got to I've got to ask you so you can share with the listeners. Give us your experience as a major league bat boy. You were a bat boy. Absolutely. For so I was a ball boy first. So it's give great. the distinction with that because I really yeah. kind of so, didn't buy and, and when was it Friday? I was sitting down with our researcher uh, who does this, and she's like, "Did you know there's a big difference between the ball boy and the bat boy?" And I just thought they were kind of yeah the same. I'm no, like, no, it's it's so. Pretty crazy. So when you first start off, you basically start off with the ball boy because it's the worst job. And everyone's saying, wait, how could this be the worst job? You're in a major league uniform. You're sitting out in the left or right field line. How is this the worst job? Well, you sit on a stool for basically three and a half hours, you know, so let's, you know, let's start there. But usually when, yeah, so usually when you're 16, that's usually the first job is who's going to, you know, you kind of sit out there, but you're sitting there live on the field in the game and, 
you know, if a ball comes, you got to defer, you know, if that ball's fair, you got to get the heck out of the way. Right. And I'm sure you've seen it on TVs, either right. the ball boys have caught the ball in the wrong, you know, when the player should have caught it. And now you just cost them an out or, right. Right. you know, you trip over the stool. Um, so yeah, you're in the game, you're live, you're there. And it's, you know, it's, it's a long day because you start, you know, basically when it's a, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a, you know, a seven o'clock game, we're in high school, we're getting there like, you know, right after school, about three o'clock, you're getting the locker room ready. So you're doing the laundry, you're cleaning stuff, you're getting the food ready, you're getting the Gatorade ready, you're filling sunflower seeds, bubble gum. We had to take the bubble gum out of the wrapper. I mean, for some guys, or like it would come, like the double bubble would come, right. and it would be like in a pack, and you'd have to literally, the Bazooka Joe would be like five pieces. You'd have to take it, you keep it in the wrapper, but you'd break it out of the five-piece pack. You're like, really? This is what I'm doing right now? But yeah. it is what it is. You kind of look back at that, you're like, wow, this is insane. But then, yeah, you would sit on the field and, <clears throat> excuse me, you would sit out there and kind of watch, you know, you'd watch the game and sit there. But on those days, think about this, on those days, it's 30 degrees out there. Yeah. I got two coats on, long johns, a bag of sunflower seeds, and I'm going, okay, this is going to be a long day. <laughs> you know, and then the game ends, and you got to clean everything up. No, Not many people realize you got 40 guys in there. They wear 10 articles of clothing. We have to wash, dry, and sort all of their clothes. You know, I mean, it's it, so, you know, people and, don't think of that part of it. Uh, were you the guys then as well that like cleaned up all of the trash and everything? No, so the, the ground screw did the dugout. Oh, okay. So they cleaned the dugout. <laughs> we put the locker room. You got guys okay. eat. So you're doing dishes. You're right. cleaning meals. You're setting up the lunch, setting up the dinner. You know, they'd, they'd have batting practice. You'd clean up after that. You'd wash their clothes after that. You know, clean their shoes, polish their shoes. I mean, you know, and then you do day to day stuff. You'd be like, a guy would be like, hey, man, can you run and get me, you know, a pack of gum from here? Or, hey, can you run to Duncan and get me? Like, wait, what? Like, you know, we've had guys that wives were coming in and it was their birthday. We had to send a guy to Saks Fifth Avenue to go buy her a new pair of shoes because he forgot. Like, he's literally <laughs> giving a 16 year old kid his debit card and his pin to go buy a pair of shoes. I'm like, this is insane. But, you know, it was just, it was kind of the, Kind of the way the world worked, kind of the way that was so back then. It was a great job, right? Yeah. You're doing all this stuff. But on the other side of that, like every job is kind of yeah. upside. I mean, you're meeting like 100%. world class. Absolutely. The best of the best yeah. players. 100%. And like, like, so like the ball boy wasn't that. But for me, the bat boy was the pinnacle. Like you are the bat boy. Like, and I took pride in it. I enjoyed it. So what was cool is like during a game, like on a bat boy, you would sit when the visiting team was up to bat. You'd sit right by like the dugout suites um, at Jacobs Field or Progressive Field, or mm. and you would sit there. And like if you know, once a player hit, you'd have to run out, grab his bat, make sure you know nothing's going on up there. You get his bat, put it, and then you'd have to put it in his slot in the dugout. You know, every number twenty three had to have all his right. bats together, right. so you'd have all that. You know, and then you'd kind of watch and just kind of see what was going on. And then during the when they were out on the field, you'd kind of see if they need anything on the dugout. And then you know, guys like, hey man, can you run up and give me my batting gloves? Or hey, I lost this. Or can you run up? So you'd kind of you know whatever they needed there. So you're doing a lot of interaction. Hundred percent, yeah, and it's yeah. yeah, you're just to them. It's you know what was cool for me was that like I liked baseball, but I didn't love it. Like I wasn't like. For me, it worked out well because I wasn't starstruck. I was right. like, hey, what's up, man? Right. Like, I talked to them like they were normal guys. And you'd have some kids walk in there for a job. Like, oh, hi, Mr. Ripke. Like, dude, get the guy his shoes, man. We got to go. Like, you know, so like you kind of, you know, you kind of learned from that. Right. Like it was right. so for me, like that was cool. And I think that's why I kind of enjoyed it more because I just didn't like I wasn't starstruck. Like I didn't like it was it was fun. It was cool and like exciting, but it wasn't. You know, I, I was able to kind of still manage and kind of, I still wanted to be a chef. You know, I'm still right. sitting there. Like, I was the kid in the locker room reading cookbooks in Bon Appetit magazine. Like, and other guys are like, what the heck is this kid doing? And then you get the one guy to be like, hey, man, oh, I was just in town. Are you any good restaurants in town? Or, you know, like, right. dude, I'm like not recommending restaurants and chefs in town and kind of cool stuff like that. So for me, it was kind of different. You know, it was fun. And you know, I always wore the opposing uniform. So it was kind of fun. Everybody thought I was like a Yankees fan or I thought I was right. with the Tampa Bay Devil Ray. I'm like, well, no, I was I'm, just going to ask you that. So were you. I mean, you were an Indians employee. Exactly, yes. Right, but did you change back and forth, or were you always the opposing team's bat boy? Always the opposing team. So they kind of switch it up. So they always, the Indians have like their own staff and their own crew, and same with the visiting clubhouse guys. We all had, we were all around that side, and we all kind of did it there. So I always was opposing. You know, but it was cool because every week, every game, you got another team came in every three days. So like, if you didn't like this team or didn't like those guys, guess what? The new team's coming in and, you know, you kind of just picked and shoot your battles and you kind of saw, you know, the different teams and how different teams carried themselves. You know, so like, how long did you do the job? Um, basically all through, so basically through high school. So basically four years. Basically I graduated in um, 2001. So 98, 99. 
2001. All right. So some good years. Great year. Huge, great Great years. Phenomenal years. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't get to. Huge um, crowds. Yeah, it was fun. It was sold out. They were all sellouts. You know, so like my friends would come down to the games and see me or I I had some teachers or some people, you know, wave to them, throw them a baseball up and like, oh, man, you know, like, (laughs) you know, it was was cool. You know, it was. But but we worked. I mean, that was a thing that people don't understand is that back then, I mean, I was working. If it was a 10-game homestand, I was working 10 games and in high school. Like, right. still going, you know, so obviously my grade suffered and, you know, but it was kind of one of those things that you kind of, you know, you did it and you enjoyed it and it was kind of cool, but it was work. And then it yeah. started, then you kind of learned that, okay, hey, you, know, you could do this. And then once I got to be the bat boy, like, that was cool. Like, to me, that was, I took a lot of pride in it, like I said, and just kind of enjoyed it. And you kind of, you look back on it, you're like, oh my God, these guys are in the Hall of Fame now. Like, you're just right, hanging out right. with Cal Ripken and... Derek Jeter, like it was like like it was nothing. You know? So, was there in that stint? Was there a team that you liked working with more than others? And then was there a team when you said like, "Oh my gosh, here comes, you know, Baltimore. This is yeah. not going to be good." No, I mean it was, it was kind of different. It wasn't so much the teams. We you know we saw the we saw the Central Division teams a lot. So mm-hmm. Minnesota Twins, Detroit Tigers, Kansas City Royals. So we saw them you know 10, 12 games right. a year. Yeah. So you kind of got a liking to those guys. For us, the Minnesota Twins were always awesome. Like, those were always cool. I mean, there's still guys like Troy Hawkins, Eddie, Eddie Gordada is one of the relievers. Like, I still keep in contact with them. Like, they still talk to me, still talk to my brother. Like, <laughs> hey, man, your crazy brother's still there with the sideburns. And like, yeah, he's still, how's he doing? Oh, man. You know, so like you have those interactions with those guys that you, and with those teams were kind of lower payroll teams. So they were kind of younger guys. They didn't have that star streak. You know, they were just kind of everyday guys growing. You'd have your one or two guys that were the stars, but they weren't over the top. You know, you didn't have to roll out the red car. You know, they were, they were pretty cool, pretty more, a little more chill, a little more comfortable, you know, but like the one thing is too, like the Yankees, like the Yankee way is the Yankee way. And these guys came in, every guy's in a suit and tie. Every guy is clean shaved. So like, I always remember uh, Jason Giambi, he was with, Oakland Athletics, and he had the long hair, the beard. He'd bring his guitar. He'd come in like this dude's a badass, if I can say that. <laughs> sure. um, you know, but he was the pinnacle. Like, he was, yeah. and then gets traded to the Yankees. And I see him walk in, clean shaven, suit and tie. And we all just throw, like, "What's up, G?" And he's like, "What's up, guy?" You know, he was just so cool. But it was just like, oh my gosh, like, transformation, hundred percent. But those guys, but you're on the Yankees, and that's and like, and it was cool. But all those guys were top notch. I mean, right, you, they were, right. you know, I mean, and, and nine times out of ten, all the guys were great. Like you had. Um, one of my probably crazy experiences that, <clears throat> excuse me, if you know me, I always had crazy sideburns. I don't know. I've always had sideburns. It's been a thing for me. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I don't know. I've had them through high school, but at one point, you know, I was probably like, you know, it was probably 2000. I had these big pork chop looking sideburns. I just never shaved them. I didn't care. And Brady Anderson was with the, uh, was with Baltimore Orioles and he was great. It was one of his pinnacle years, you know? So he came, he's like, man, what the heck is what with those sideburns, man? He's like, after the game, let me trim those up for you, make them look. I'm like, cool, dude. Let's. Do. So he, Brady Anderson, literally shaved my sideburns. You know, so you know, <laughs> so it's one of those weird story. things. Every guys are making fun of me. I'm like, hey, man. He put a sweet angle on it. You know, it's just kind of one of those weird things that, like, what are you gonna do? He gave me a bat actually, and it said, "To Danny, keep the burns tight, Brady Anderson." <laughs> you know. So and then, but the funny so part fun. is, the next day he accused me of stealing one of his bats. I'm like, dude, you gave me a bat. Why would I steal one of your bats? Like I didn't, you know. So it's kind of funny. Like you just kind of like wait. Man, don't be a jerk. Like I'm not wow. gonna steal your bat. So, so you know. crazy. Uh, yeah. So I, I think I've asked you this once before at your at your restaurant, but I can only imagine. Do you have just like boxes of memorabilia kinds of stuff? Um. Yes and no. So I was not the memorabilia guy. I mean, there okay. were guys that would bend over backwards and do this and do that. And for me, like I don't know. I just. You know, I have a couple cool things, you know, but I don't, I wasn't that for me, that didn't make me tick. Now right, looking back right. 20 years later, you know, I mean, yeah, sure. Do I have a Jeter baseball somewhere? I mean, somewhere Isn't that crazy. Like I have a yeah. Jeter somewhere, <laughs> you know, I have, I did get a GQ magazine that had Jeter, A-Rod and Nomar Garcia Parra on it. I got that signed by them. Okay. I used to have a chef chef's coat that I would keep in the locker room and I'd have all my favorite players sign my chef's coat. So that was cool. Like instead still of getting, have that. I still have it. Yeah. yeah. I can't read any of the signatures. I got to look, look back and see, but I had all the good guys and I got guys that like, I liked that were cool. You know? So for me, like, that's what I liked. Like that, that was cool. So yeah, I got, I mean, I, at one point I think I was using bats as firewood, like game used bats. <laughs> like we would get some of the, we would raffle off some of the cracked bats. Right. So and a lot of them were no-name guys that you'd never heard of. Or, like, we knew a wood guy that would kind of reseal them up. And, like, I would literally go to the batting cages and swing so-and-so's MLB bat just for fun. You know, like, we have them. And, like, I just – yeah, I mean, I got some cool things. But to me, like, that wasn't part of it. And plus, like, back then, you know, eBay was just getting hot. So right, right. as crazy as that sounds, people were 
hawking autographs, and there were a couple guys on yeah, places yeah. that would just get all the autographs. And so then it's a bad look. It's a bad look for me, bad look for my sure, you know my brother, sure. for yeah, my boss. Right. So like for me, like I didn't, like I don't know, I just didn't, I wasn't into that. You know, it just didn't do it for me. So it was kind of cool to have, you know, like got a McGuire, I got a Cal Ripken. Like, honestly, I don't even know where they're at my parents' house somewhere. Like, isn't that crazy? Like, that's how much. They're not even in your house. They're not even in my house. What am I going to do? Stare at a baseball that has an autograph on it? Like, to me, it just didn't, you know, like that. I was more, I enjoyed more the personal experiences. I enjoyed more talking with the guys and sharing stories and kind of just having those memories and just kind of being in the moment. Like for me, Mm. like that was cool for me. Like that was, you know, that's what made it fun. So yeah, pretty crazy. What an experience. So here's the question that I'm going to give you for the seventh. All right, let's do it. Well, your seventh inning stretch was so unique because we've never had anybody that's been associated to the extent that you are with baseball. So, but here's the question anyway, that's kind of relative to you. So today there is an age requirement for those positions, bat boy, ball ball. Do you you know what the age is? I don't, but I'm going to guess, I mean, back when it was 16, when it was for us and and it was only guy, they never had any girls. And I know they've switched to certain female ball, which is cool, which is great. So, so now it's 14. Okay. All right. But do you know why that they made an age restriction? So before you jumped in. Yeah. No, actually, at I mean, the time, even when you were there then, you could be much younger. Yeah. Actually. But do you know why they... No, this is great. No, I love <laughs> yeah. it. This is, so this I'll is, give you a, yeah. a little history. So evidently, back in 2002, when Dusty... Baker was the Giants manager. He had a very young son, was three years old. Oh my gosh. Was a bat boy. And evidently at a game there, actually it was during one of the World Series games with the Giants. Um the Kenny Lofton just banged out a triple going around the bases and JT Snow was coming home and then Bell was running full speed behind him. And then the young Baker bat boy uh, ran out onto the field to go clear the bat as well. And uh, almost got plowed over by the guys. And one of the, uh, one of the guys uh, actually it was JT Snow came in and grabbed him by his jacket and hauled him up and took him out of the way before he got plowed by a bell running in. But, and it was after that game, the very next season, they decided like, Oh, we need to put some parameters around. We can't have these little three, five year old guys out here. (laughs) Well, that's how it was too. A lot of guys would bring their families in town and like, I'd be the bat boy. And then, be like, hey, so and so son's doing it, but like the thing is, they'd be the bat boy, but they would do it. But I still had to do all the work. Like yeah. I was still getting the Gatorade, still doing the cooler. <laughs> they would just sit. I'm like, come on, man, you're taking all the good stuff. But what are you can do? You gonna tell some baseball players, kid, they can't do it? No. So it was kind of fun. Yeah. But yeah, I could see that. I mean, it's and it's your live baseball. I mean, this is and stuff happens. Stuff happens, and it happens yeah. fast. And yeah. you're, you know, it's split decisions, and especially you know, sitting out there, a ball comes screaming at. You ever get plunked by a ball? Oh god! So I made a living doing that. So here's where, uh, real quick. I, so we used to do a thing called the bucket. So if you've ever been there for batting practice, so basically the bat boy and the ball boy would go out basically right behind second base, right where the grass meets the the dirt, if you will. And they put a big net up and then the players would hit the balls. And then the ones that, you know, didn't hit, that went out of the, went into the outfield, the relief pitchers or the pitchers would throw them into me. Well, once the baseball players learned that, nah, Danny can't really catch a baseball very well. They decided to start throwing some heaters at me and, you know, like in me, like I knew I'm horrible at baseball and I like, to me, like I was more of like a thing. Like I was like, okay, like I'm going to try to catch this ball. I mean, like I had a huge mitt. Like I went and bought the biggest first baseman's mitt just to cover a little bit of ground. And like these guys would smoke these balls into me. And like, I mean, like the one day, like the guy's like, Hey, come on, crouch down. Let me throw you. I'm like, this is going to be like, he smoked me with that. And like, I'm watching this ball spin and curve and it plunked me. And like the one day I came in there, I had welts like all over my body. Like, and like, then I was like, they're busting my chops. Like, man, you suck, man. You can't, what are you yelling at my boss? Like, get a guy out there. They know how to catch a baseball. And you know, so then the next day I came out there in full catcher's gear. I go, come on guys, let's go. I ain't playing today. Let's go. And you know, they loved it. They laughed because you know, everybody else was so, you know, worried about I me. Mean, I, I knew I was bad at baseball. Like we used to have to warm up. If we were a ball boy, you would warm up the uh, right fielder. So, well, that happened like three times for me. Because once the guy, like, I missed three balls and they sailed into the stands and I'm like, I couldn't even throw the ball to get it to him. Then like a bullpen uh, 
uh, catcher would come out and play catch with him. You know, but it's just funny. I'm like, man, like, man, that guy's horrible. Yes, I am. I ain't gonna tell me. I know I'm bad at this. So, so pretty funny. Guys, like, yeah, I kind of like baseball. It's okay, yeah. and I can't really catch or do no, anything. Nothing, nothing. But I'm the bat boy. Exactly, and I love it, and <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna guy. enjoy every second of this because, yeah. And, but it was cool though. Like for oh, me, that's so that's what fun. I enjoyed. Yeah, so yeah, pretty fun. So fun. All right. Well, there we go. Well, thanks for for joining us in. Let's get back into it. Play ball. All right. So. Let's talk today, which is Augie's Restaurant. You've got this. Well, I do want to mention, so over the last, I don't know how long this is, you've been kind of doing a remodel project. It's been a few months. Anyway. At least. It's almost probably from one part to the next. It's basically been almost a year. Yeah. So to get the whole thing done, we had a three-month closure for the true. We had to redo the kitchen, right. do the full expansion. So yeah, it's, I mean, we were shut down for three months, but we started doing business you know, pieces and parts and thought we'd open up the kitchen and then reopen the dining room. And then everything just kind of just let's do it all in one shot. Yeah. So. Cause I remember even before I moved offices that you, I think we even talked about, yeah, I think we're going to expand. We're going to take the space next door and we're going to do this great, you know, knock the wall out and do all of this fun stuff. And like, wow. So I know this thing has been going on for a while. So not only do you have the challenge of obviously expanding your restaurant, but you have the pandemic, you know, happening. I don't know whether that was good or bad, right? Because, you know, pandemic and restaurants, I mean, it's been incredible. Can you walk through the, some of the challenges that you've had with that? So you had the challenge of, well, we're expanding plus the pandemic. How did you kind of deal with that? Yeah, it was, it was different. It was, it, it wasn't good or bad. It was different. It was a different kind of realm of business. So, you know, when the first pandemic happened, we didn't know what was going to happen. We shut, you know, March 16th, I think it was, they shut dining room down. We're like, okay, you know, let's see what happens. And then, you know, carry out stayed busy. For us in the pizza business, that was the one thing of being right. a pizza shop. Carry out kind of lend itself into its own kind of realm. It kind of did its own thing. So for us, people knew, you know, there was a lot of restaurants trying to do takeout, but they didn't have the right um, to-go containers. They didn't right, have the right. So for us, you know what that pizza is going to be like hot, cold, and you know what it's going to be. At least you know what you were getting. So for us, business-wise, we stayed okay, but we lost all dining room. We lost all caterings. We do a lot of catering. So mm. the big parties, the graduation parties, the first communions, we lost a huge chunk of that. But carryout kind of stayed steady. So from a business standpoint, it was okay. But then the challenges happened where from a staffing issue, all of a sudden so-and-so's got COVID or this happened. Right, so what do right. we do? Do we shut down? Do we, what, you know, so you kind of, we're faced with more challenges from, you know, and then it was like, Hey, grandma's at home. So-and-so can't work till the pandemic's over. So then like I lost all my, most of my staff, um, you know, which was tricky, which was, you didn't know what to do. And there was no right answers. So like, okay. Hey, you know, so we tried looking at that and then all of a sudden things started to turn into now you can't get product. Now the chicken wing facility is shut down. Right, so now we're right. getting chicken wings. We couldn't get ribs. We had to wait a week to get flour to get. So like the challenges that were basic everyday stuff, all kind of factored into it. So it made it, you know, challenging on all different levels, but enough to survive and keep going through it. You know, Hey, I mean, there were days I was literally the only person working. Like I was the only one there. I'm like, okay, I ain't going to shut down. What am I going to do? So, Hey, it's going to be an hour. I'm the only one here. We're doing pizza and salad tonight. So like, cool, Danny, we just want to see you be safe. You know? So like, it was cool, you know, but then you also saw, you know, from the community, like I really, you know, being in Chagrin Falls, South Russell, this area, this community is amazing. So, you know, for me, you kind of learned that, People were calling me, Danny, you all right? You guys good? Do you need anything? We hear all these restaurants closing. You know, what, what can we do for you? Or do you need? I'm like, no, I'm a, thank you. Just order a pizza and come say hi. I just want to see you and make sure you guys are all right. So it was kind of cool to see the outreach and that everyone, I'm like, I'm a little pizza shop. Like, you don't people care about me? Like, people want to, you know, but like, it was fun to see that. And it was kind of cool to see everybody and you know, just kind of keep everybody safe and trying to do what we had. We had the proper parameters up and, yeah. but it was hard. It was different. It kind of, you know, for me, being a people person, I had nobody in my dining room for almost a year. Right. So like, it's been a year, it's been almost a, over a year now. And I'm like, Oh my God, I just miss seeing people and talking to my customers and sitting there BSing, laughing, you know, having a beer with them and kind of, you know, sharing stories. So it's kind of weird to take that away completely and then not almost not have it come back. So yeah. pretty interesting. Well, and you, we were kind of laughing a little bit and telling the story about the landscapers, you know, right. Doing the thing, lining up for lunch. But really, you guys did, you do a lot of business that way. You know, yeah. guys coming in for lunch, you know, buying a couple of slices and heading out the door. You got a great deal going on with that. So I'm sure that that changed a Absolutely little bit changed. as well. Yeah. But the issue around the uh, the dining room, in my mind, I'm just kind of thinking like, well, you know, you got some 
maybe some benefit or, or some positive things because as you decide you're moving forward with the expansion during the time when, you know, the dining room was limited anyway, they probably then didn't, I mean, you were going to have some struggles with that to begin with. Absolutely. Um, if there wasn't a pandemic going on, like, okay, we're going to make this transition. How do we do this? Dining room is closed. It kind of made it a little bit easier for you. I Absolutely. Did. Yeah. It kind of, degree. that's where we, it kind of took some of the pressure off it. It kind of, right. we were able to kind of move and kind of like, okay, let's wait on this. Let's get the kitchen rebuilt. Yeah, but then the supply chain hit. Then, you know, lumber yeah. tripled in price and oh, you couldn't geez. get, like, what do you mean you can't get drywall? What do you mean right. you can't get, like, are you so then you're like, okay, luckily we were late enough in the game where the the price of lumber finally went back down to not even a normal level, but better than it was at one yeah. point. So, you know, it's kind of just pick and choose our battles and we kind of knew we still had the carry out and we stayed open. You know, we kept the kitchen open as long as we could just to keep business flowing and keep it going. Because once you close, you know, you know, and then we didn't expect to be closed for three months, that's for sure. But- we we're glad we did it right. And I think that's right, part of the right. process too. In our world, in our pizza world, it's survived to get through today. Right. Let's do this. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, but we should have probably put in the right electrical. We should probably should have, now we're doing this to do this, to get through today. And you're going, okay, this is dumb. So yeah. yeah. Well, crazy. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to the new space. So tell us, you know, I, I was in there a few weeks ago and you know, you're still not quite open of fully in the new space, but tell us about the new space. What, what are you guys doing with the new so space? So this, this been, is exciting. Yeah, it's very, it's been exciting for me. I mean, it's been fun to kind of watch it grow and kind of learn and do it and kind of learn some of the construction aspects and the, how the world right. works. I make pizzas and order flour and dough and <laughs> tomatoes, you know, now I'm on the phone with guys trying to get lumber here and get, you know, trying to hunt down this floor I couldn't find or this lights. I mean, it's been it's been a lesson, you know, but I enjoyed it every sec, just like everything else. You know, every day, every day was a problem. Every day I was putting out a forest fire, but just like in the kitchen, you, you survived, you move on. What's the next problem? Let's go. Yeah, yeah. You know, so for us, the new space has been really cool. So we've basically doubled our dining room. So we'll have about 60 seats. The big part for me is two things. One, we put, we've always had a full liquor license, but I just never had the room and capabilities to do alcohol. So we've always done great beer, great wine, but now we've kind of done a minimal kind of a bar. So we've, you know, specialized I'm an avid bourbon drinker and collector, so ah, I've been chasing are. and hunting some bourbons down and deprived of, uh, I got a nice list. So I've been looking for bourbons. I got some cool ones and it's just a fun conversation piece I'm going to talk about. And, you know, as we grow and talk to more people like, oh man, you got this bottle. Oh, I found this one. Have you ever had this? So kind of something cool that I've always enjoyed and I've done for a while, you know, so that's been fun. So we have, you know, have a nice bourbons, good little small six person kind of bar. But for me, the fun part's been, I put a big giant chef's table down the middle of my restaurant. So it's got about, it'll have about 12 seats. It's a big wood custom made farmhouse, big table. So it's right down the middle. There's a big fireplace with some beautiful black stone, you know, so it's kind of cool. So that's, that's the showpiece. That's the, you know, my, that's the part of me in all these restaurants. We've always had chef tables. I love having that, you know, center stage and, you know, we do a lot of fun stuff. Yeah. That's what makes it cool to be able to see that stuff and kind of do that and have people feel special and want to come in and be like, Hey, we want the chef's table or we want this and kind of just give it a little something different than a little pizza shop. You know, we've always been a great little pizza shop, but now we're still going to be a great little pizza shop, but now we're just going to elevate things a little bit. And with the menu, we didn't take anything off. Everyone always thought, hey, you can change this to Danny's Bistro and get rid of the pizza. Heck no. Like the pizza is what's great. That's what, you know, keeps people coming in. And that's yeah, what, you yeah, know, part yeah. that keeps it going. But for me then, yes, we did put, you know, a short rib asobuco on the menu. Right. Uh, so you've expanded the a- menu. Absolutely. Yeah. We've, you know, expanded the menu to, you know, what we think is capable. We put in a bigger kitchen for this reason. So yeah, we put a steak on the menu. We got salmon. We got tuna tuna tartare, you know, some different kind of fun stuff that's still manageable, but it's not over the top. I'm not trying to reinvent the the chef wheel. You know, I right, did that. Right. I done it. Now I want something that I know people yeah. are going to order and want to get. And, you know, it's fun having families come in there and still kids can still get pizza and chicken fingers and right. mom and dad can get a good bourbon and a piece of veal. You know, hey, life is good. So, <laughs> you know, that's kind of the kind of the concept of kind of what we look for. Yeah. You know, and you still get the, the classic Augie's great ribs, yeah. great chicken wings, great pizza. And that's what makes it fun. Award-winning sauce. Absolutely, yes. So, and that's what makes it fun. And that's what yeah. makes it fun for me is to kind of hit it on all aspects and right. kind of enjoy and see people enjoy the different stuff and love when people come in, just get a pizza and a salad and a beer and be happy. And then you get the guy that wants, you know, tuna tartare and a lobster and you're going, this is cool. Like, yeah. this is fun. Yeah. So, so um, when this show airs, I think you should be fully open by that point is what I'm expecting. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? So we're so. kind of... In between, you know, staffing just like anywhere else and just like any restaurant, it, it's tough. It's it's hard to find people, let alone good people, let alone people right. with serving experience, bartending experience, cooks, you know, so we're kind of 
balancing that right now. I'm kind of the the server, the cook, and the bartender right now. But guess what? It's you know I have this beautiful dining room. We haven't officially opened yet, but we're we're close. And I got people knocking on my door to come in, and I basically tell them, hey, here's the deal. I'm your server, I'm your cook, and your bartender. So if you're going to yelp me about my service, get the heck out of here. And they let you know, and that's fun. But most of my customers, they know me, I know them. So, you know, I'd rather have them come in and experience it and see it and do it than to, you know, kick them out the door and be like, nope, we're not open because I don't have a wine rack here yet. Or you're going to eat on a different plate than the plate I'd really want you to eat on. So, yeah, pretty crazy. So we're we're close. We're very close. And hopefully. Yeah. Get things rolling here pretty soon. Oh, so exciting. All right. So, Danny, here we are. We're down to the bottom of the ninth here. This is where I get to ask you, what kind of advice do you have for rookies in the game? You know, these people who, because many of our listeners are small business owners or are thinking about starting out in small business, what kind of guidance can you give them based on your experiences that you have? I mean, years of experience of being an owner and operating businesses. Well, yeah, you know, looking at hearing the word rookie and thinking like, I still think I am the rookie. I still look as, you know, and that's how I am. I kind of have that, you know, put your head down mentality for me, you know, looking back, you know, for me, it was always my personal experiences, interactions with my staff. You know, for me, I always greeted my staff. You'd come into work, you know, Blue Cannon, I had 20 employees. So I'd come in and say, Hey, what's up, Jim? How are you today? How's your dog? What's going on? Talk to me about this. Hey, then here, here's the prep list. Here's what we're going. So for, for me, it was communicating and on a personal level with my staff and those guys and just kind of having that relationship with them and not just being their boss or not just being like, Hey man, we're about to get our butts kicked, get your butt cooking. Let's go. It was, Hey man, what's going on today? Let's talk for five minutes or, you know, having those lines of communication and just kind of, you know, taking each day as it comes, you know, every, every day is going to be different. Every day is going to, you're going to, you know, handle the problems. Don't worry about one problems. You're about to have three more in about five minutes, you know, and that's how it is. It's okay. What do we got to do? All right. Hey, the sink's flooded or this guy called. Okay. What are you going to do? Figure it out. So for me, you know, I still look at myself as a rookie in the game. I still look at myself as, you know, those people and just work, you know, put your head down. I work the guy next to you. I mean, for me, it's, you're going to, you know, you can talk about it. You can have all the fancy stuff, but at the end of the day, you know, with your, especially with your staff, I think that's part of the biggest part is that, you know, to work with them and show them and teach them. There's kids that want to learn and want to grow. And, you know, if I could show them how to use that knife better or just to, Hey man, do it this way. This way would be a lot easier. Even if it's, I was loading up a dish rack the other day for a kid, you know, he didn't know how to put dishes in a dish rack. Well, I never, she never learned. So I'm like, right, dude, right. I'm going to make this way easy for you. We're going to put them in this way. Priest, he's like, Oh my God, you just saved them all. He saved time, saved me time. You know, so right. it's kind of, you know, being, being hands-on and being on with, you know, especially with your staff. I think that's the biggest thing right now. And you know, kids can go make a lot more money working at a lot of other places in town. You know, they can afford to pay them 15, 20 bucks an hour, but right. you know, sometimes that experience and that growth that they can learn at other places and, you know, you kind of learn with that and you kind of grow with that. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of, kind of my advice there. Good, good stuff. All right. Well, I am absolutely looking forward to getting in and uh, getting into the new space. And I found we have a, another passion in common of bourbon. So I'm, we got to talk. Absolutely. Let's yeah, go. I would have brought one. Yeah, I I mean, to, yeah. Well, I've got one under the counter well, here. Let's I go. Can, uh, I, today's a half day for me. So uh, <laughs> that's one thing about being the boss. I get to make those decisions. Well, I'm excited to see what you got on the menu. Cause I'll bring in my buddies. We, 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 we generally kind of get together a couple of times a month and hit some new bourbons. So that'll be, yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, thanks so much for being on the show today. I appreciate it. It's been great to chat again with you, catch up and, hear all the great stories and wish you just really the best success in the new space. Well, I appreciate it. It's been fun. You know, fun, yeah. it's fun to talk about this stuff and it's fun to, you know, have a guy that, you know, came in and got ribs from me and then be able to <laughs> sit and talk. And then I just remember, like I said, when that day, when we started talking about baseball, the one day, yeah. Randy, you lit up like, I'm like, this is cool. And then to sit here, I'm like, when he sent me the information, I'm like, this is so cool. Like, this is a perfect match. Like, you know, and you know, it's pretty cool. So it's been fun to kind of yeah. talk about it and, you know, see the growth of the restaurant and be able to spare with great people in the community like yourself and, yeah. you know, a lot of fun. So yeah. as you can tell from, from talking with you, I definitely enjoy it. So yeah, good, good. All right. Well, folks, that's the ball game. Thanks for joining us today. And if you liked our show, please tell your friends, subscribe and review. And as we like to say, we'll see you around the ballpark. Running the bases with small businesses is brought to you by 38 Digital Market, a digital marketing agency committed to client growth with lead generation, higher conversions, and increased sales. Connect with us today at 38digitalmarket.com.